Welcome to Stories of Growth, a series of conversations with modern day business leaders who share their stories of growth and the lessons they've learned along the way. I'm William Rowe, founder and CEO of Protein. I've been helping businesses grow for over 20 years and I've always been fascinated with the people behind these businesses, where they've come from and what drives them forward. We are on a mission to help women, you know, to make changes. And I think we've made incredible progress if we think about women in general, the way they're represented in the media, the way they're represented in the world. But we have so much work to do. Like, we're only at the beginning, really. Teaching's changed, and I think the way that we communicate has changed. Yes, it's great to have qualification, but to me, knowledge is experience, and the rest is just information. I don't think that kids are taught like you know how guys relate to girls and vice versa and you know like people skills and psychology and all these things that are really really important and I, I just wish there was more space for them your brain's a muscle if you don't use it you lose it Siobhan Lyons is the fashion director of the September issues a biannual printed magazine celebrating the diversity and power of global feminism Ever the polymath, Siobhan also freelances as a creative director, stylist, researcher, artist, and teacher. And in the face of these turbulent times we live in, we discuss the importance of creativity as a source of inspiration, education, and its power to generate positive impact to women's lives across the globe. So very excited to be here with Shiv, uh, to hear her story. Um, sitting in her wonderful apartment. Um, and so why don't we start with an introduction, uh, a little bit about who you are uh, and, you know, what you've been up to. Um, I'm the fashion director of the September Issues magazine. Um, I also teach at various universities in London and around the UK. And um, I'm a visual artist. So that's a bit about me. Great. <laughs> Um, and why don't we, uh, you know, just as an introduction, maybe talk about September issue uh, in terms of, I think, the most tangible incarnation of some of your work? Um, the September issues is probably the greatest gift, that I think, that I was given. Um, I was actually teaching a class at the Condé Nast School of Fashion about niche magazines. So I was talking about the magazines that I grew up on and that inspired me to want to work in this industry, like The Face, um, ID, Blitz, um, Days to Confused. And the second part of the class was when the students had to go to a magazine shop and pick a magazine of their choice and then critique it. And um, three girls came back with the September issues. And I was at a time in my life when I was very disenchanted by the industry and maybe kind of fell out of love with being a stylist. And I had to have a break, <clears throat> which is why I started teaching. And they came back with this magazine and I was obviously like, what is that? I've never heard of it. I mean, there's loads of magazines that I haven't heard of. They're everywhere. And... Um, after the class, I read it myself um, and I was really touched by it and I felt instantly connected by it because it was very um, emotional. And I think that women do everything emotionally. Um, 
you know, we we consume emotionally, we think emotionally, we eat emotionally. Everything's about emotion. And I'm incredibly sensitive. So I was sort of really, t- you know, it was the first magazine in ages that I actually felt interested in. Um, and I found out that it had no advertisers in it, which is also like a rarity. And um, a, a portion of magazine sales got, gets donated to a women's charity every issue. So it was just like, oh, my God, what's this? Um, so I found out who was behind it and I wrote an old fashioned letter or an email, should we say, to Mary, um, Mary Rosie, who is the editor in chief and the creative director. And um, I suppose when you when you're freelance and you send these emails out, you don't always think that you're going to get a reply. And um, I got a reply. So um, and she still says to this day that it was the the email that I wrote her that um, made me made her want to know me and want to meet me. So that ended up in being a coffee and another chat. And then that ended up being um, Let's Do a Story. And then that ended up me having um, made this body of work for the first time in probably about nine months. I hadn't shot anything that really felt like me. And then they asked me to come on board and then the rest is history. <laughs> So when when was this? This was from the Condé Nast, you know, class to. This is probably two thousand early two thousand and seventeen. No, hang on, I can't even remember. My memory's appalling. I think I was teaching in class in, at the end of two thousand and seventeen, and then we actually met and did a story in two thousand eighteen. So it hasn't okay. been. So that was the first issue of September issues that they brought. I. I stumbled upon issue zero, which is the first issue, but I like to confuse people, (laughs) in the class. And then I think I I, I contributed to the next one. And then I have been doing so ever since. Yeah. Yeah. And Mary, from my understanding, is uh, LA-based? Yes. So how does that work? How does this work? This works with... It's like a long distance um, relationship. relationship. <laughs> She's in LA. I'm in London. Um, Gil's in New York. Um, it is. It is really challenging because it's like, it's like, hey, can you talk? And I'm like, I'm asleep. And then I'm like, oh god, I really need to talk to you, but you're asleep. Oh fuck. Um, but it, you know, it's it's challenging. But it it the positive thing about it is that we're everywhere. And I think you know, in this day and age with the conversation that we're having about global fem- femininity and feminism is that you do need to be everywhere. We do need to be in LA. We do need to be in New York. We do need to be in London. Um, she's in Paris at the moment. Um, Cause I think there's the, the same conversations are happening, but they're all at a different pace um, and we are everywhere. So that's one massive strength, but you know, it is, it is very challenging at times because we're, a tiny team and we're all sort of in different places in different times mm. but and the and <laughs> i completely agree in terms of a a format in terms of the approach even of you know how commercially it's structured uh it definitely is you know not your norm no. as a as a magazine as a publication as a as a movement however no. way we want to define it uh, so maybe just for those who haven't seen it, picked it up, you know, touch on some of those 
you know, missions, some of those important, you know, partners, charities that you're looking to shine a light on, support and... I'm know, just going to go nurture. straight to it. It's, it's, it's a world domination mission. <laughs> okay, great. No, no fucking around. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I think, you know, I think also for, for me, it's why I, you know, get up every day and I'm like so grateful for it is because it's it's about women reconstructing the world. And I think, you know, um, it is challenging and we we are doing it one one step at a time, one brick by brick. And that, you know, that the feedback we have every day is just like, it's incredible. Um, we are on a mission to to help women, you know, to make changes. And I think you know we've we've made incredible progress if we think about women in general the way they're represented in the media the way they're represented in the world but we have so much work to do like we're only at the beginning really and i think you know this platform that we have is about um it's about information it's about education and it's about inspiration so it's about trying to showcase these things through creativity which is like you know you know what a fucking great job that is you know I wouldn't despite its challenges I don't I don't know I wouldn't I don't know how I can do anything else I don't know how we want to do anything else it's like the only answer it's Mm. the only way so it's it's just you know it's like I think you know when Mary started it um you know she felt like she had no choice you know it's like we have to do this and it's like I suppose it's like her baby and now it's sort of growing arms and legs and it's like this teenager off into the world and it's like, you know, it's growing and it's, it's, it hasn't grown. I, I don't think growth is an upward thing. It's definitely not linear. It's upward and outward and all over the place, you know, and I think, you know, I'm really excited for the future of it because it means doing things like this. It means having talks. It means making it live. It, it means taking it all over the world because there are women all over the world suffering the same shit, you know, that want all these changes. And that's what it's about. Yeah. And why print? What was it about the physical tangible that, you know, as a format? Uh, We, I think the print, the printed uh, matter is, you know, I've always been a, a magazine person, you know, I think, there's so much stuff online, you know, I think online is is great to a certain extent, but it's, you know, I think my our brains download like 100,000 images a day and it's just like, what do we do with all this information? How much of this information is actually worth anything? And when you have a tangible, beautiful thing in your hand, there's, you know, no greater feeling than that. But the magazine itself is like this little foot foot soldier to the rest of you know to the bigger picture you know we have to we're very limited by um you know page count and um and what we can sort of put in there as content you know so we have to make a lot of incredible uh, incredibly important decisions as to you know what goes in what goes where you know like when we lay it out and we literally lay out each page on the floor of Mary's house in LA and we're laying out the whole thing and we have too, we have too much content and we have to think, fuck, we have to make this page, this story two pages short or we have to make that, you know, like one page less. It's so hard and it's all these decisions that get made and, and you know, 
being three emotional women it's like we're agonizing over like a word or a font size or you know I prefer that picture in black and white I don't want to make it smaller I think it should be on a double page you know da, 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 da. and it's sort of you know all these decisions that get made are sort of um takes a long time and we don't always agree but we have to compromise but the but the magazine you know is um it's a it's a small part of the bigger picture if that makes sense sure but specifically even that process of you know laying out the pages and you know the edit yeah by definition you translate to that to the online world where it's unlimited and there's no we have an online, we have a website there. We There's have no content. restriction uh, in terms of page count or, you know, page size or, you know, I guess it's sort of getting to the, again, the, the discipline or the creative discipline of creating magazines and I guess what that means in terms of the prioritization of stories or people or Mm -hmm. causes or you know messages that you're looking to it's really difficult I think because we have so many ideas like all the time like sometimes I just wish that you know there there was someone that could just invest the fuck out of my brain because it would give me a rest and it would give me a a night a good night's sleep because you know (laughs) you tell me (laughs) anyone knows like give me a ring um but you know it's evolving all the time and it's difficult because we don't you know there's only certain amount of things that will go into the magazine but then with the overflow we have things like instagram have things like um you know our website you know and it, and it's sort of just like making sure that there's a place for all of these things but this is part of you know the process and and the and the sort of where we are at now is like what where do these ideas go where can we put them because mm. you know at the moment we we have a restricted page count but that doesn't mean that in the future it might be bigger but i just i just do think like also it's about quality not quantity you know i think you know, and I know this from being a teacher that people's attention spans are pretty short. You know, these days, you know, it's even with teaching, you, you that's different. You can't just stand up and point at a board and talk to people. You really have to connect with people, and um, I think you can do that better with you know two two hundred and fifty or three hundred pages as opposed to a thousand. Like, you don't need to. You don't need to. Um, I don't think it's about how many pages that go into it, but I, I think, and there's different, obviously you can connect with people in different ways. There's a printed matter, then you connect with people in a certain way on Instagram. It's about the language that you use, I think. And also I think everything changes every second. You know, we might have an idea uh, for the issue or a story and then something happens in the news that affects the whole world and then suddenly that idea isn't appropriate or, or it has to change. So you just have to be a bit fluid in that in mm. that regard education oh, God. Um, as a teacher but you know also as you mentioned as a principal of the magazine to educate you know, where does that fit in terms of your role of you know, uncovering stories or you know profiling new I don't know subcultures uh-huh. or communities um, because you know, the context of that really from 
any of the magazines you were inspired by from the face to, you know, the days, you know, you wouldn't necessarily put it as an education. You know, it's more of an inspiration. Yeah. But, and you know, there's a subtle difference in it. And I don't know, maybe just touch on some of the... It's funny that you mentioned subcultures because... Educational approach to culture. Because that's the subject that I would... I taught at, at, at one of the universities. It was... Um, research and communication and we i had we covered all the you know most of the the british subcultures so punk neuromantic skinheads um teddy boys what have you and it was actually one of the most challenging things to to in inverted commas teach you know 19 year old first year fashion students is how to research and how to communicate because they love the internet. And if you type anything into Google, whether it's an exclamation mark, three numbers, a misspelling, Google will always give you an answer. And having not known, you know, you know, they don't know who the Sex Pistols are. And to me, I'm just like, what? <laughs> like, what are you talking Wait, about? Wait, who doesn't know who the Sex Pistols are? <laughs> my the 19 students, year olds. Yeah, my students, they don't know who the Sex Pistols are. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Like, what the fuck? And then, actually, I'm really happy that I get to tell you who they are. Um, so it's not all bad. But um, So, wait, what's your point here? The internet is killing subculture. I'm, I mean, my point is that they don't know how to research properly and to teach someone to how to research and how to communicate that research is a, is a skill. And you can only do that with connect making them understand what connection is. I don't want them to, 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 do, to, to just press you know punk into google image search and print off the first 10 things that they find so wikipedia tells them it is exactly and then i'm sort of sort of yelling at these students like marky e. smith <laughs> vibes <laughs> how does it make you feel why have you picked that why have you picked that image you know and they're just like what do you mean how does it make you feel and i'm like you know my point is do work that makes you feel everything and that you know and i think that thread kind of comes in into the magazine so by by information as education and inspiration it's sort of trying to touch people on all these three levels if that makes sense i don't think i'm explaining it very well and i think that's what i'm trying to i try to do with the with the students you know is this like why have you picked that? You know, I think when I was learning at school, it must have been so irritating because I've got a creative brain and I'm sitting in these, you know, academic kind of I mean, lessons like science and chemistry and I've got this sort of really old man, teacher, bless his heart, and I'm like, I don't understand what this means. And he's like, it just is, Siobhan. Like the law of, I don't know, like the law of gravity or whatever it was. And I'm just like, yeah, but why? I was that kid, you know, that, not a kid, but like an adult being like, but why? Question Can you Einstein. just explain it to me? Can I, like, I just want to relate to it. And I think, you know, I'm a teacher that's relatable. And I think the magazine is is incredibly relatable. You know, I think teaching's changed. And I think the way that we communicate has changed. Yes, it's great to have a qualification, but to me, knowledge is experience and the rest is just information. You know, I'd much rather talk to somebody with a story than a teacher that's just like, it just is. Just read it, just learn it. And my eh eh, that's got one in, in one ear and out the other. Like, I just can't. You know, you might as well just fail me. Unless you can tell me your story as to why it is what it is, I can't connect with you and I can't take the idea on. And, you know, 
with the magazine it is when I'm talking about emotion it is just like it's full of emotion so when people read it they're like oh my god I get it you know and I think women are so we're such complex creatures and you know I don't think that's ever going to change and I think as a teacher or as a creative person when I look at something whether it's a photograph or a piece of art or a piece of music you know I connect with it in a way that it, it doesn't make me feel as alone if I'm going through something and you know that's what keeps me going and I think that's a huge part of what the September issues mm. is. And do you see that changing? I mean keeping on the educational uh, philosophy of relatable content or just a relatable approach you know and you're sounding like you're championing <laughs> like yourself but in, in terms of a broader society or a school I think system so. i think you know we we had a talk last week um in london and it was about self-care um perfect for january because people are either giving up this or that or they're just giving up um, and it was just, you know, and, and it was really, we were talking about un- uncomfortable stuff and it was tricky and it was challenging, but we all laughed, you know, at parts through the tour because I just think it, you know, it's it's a fucking right laugh, but trying to be a human being, do you know what I mean? At the, in, at the best of days, I don't know, in 2020, it's, 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 it's tough. And I think I've also forgotten what you've just asked me. So just remind, <laughs> remind me about education and how and as, being relatable. Uh, and as a and as approach, which I fully subscribe to. I yeah. mean, I've got two small kids. Okay. And, you know, they're just, well, six-year-old and a three-year-old. I've remembered now, small kids, and, this is good. And, you know, going into the education system and, you know, you relate to your schooling, which was exactly the same of, uh, like, this yeah. is it. And yeah. I was like, well, why is it? And you know, my six-year-old, they love which asking is why, great. Don't it's they? like, well, why? Why yeah. is that? And how but does that why? work? Which is, you know, the curiosity of yeah. a, you know, a beautiful young brain. Yeah. Just in terms of its... Uh, it is annoying though, isn't it? Because I've got, <laughs> I've got friends with kids and they're like, but why? Because it is. And then you give them an answer and they're not excited when they go, but why? <laughs> now, I've remembered now, we did talk about this. So that as yeah. a broader approach to society, because if we're looking at future generations, you know, shifting stigmas, you know, changing the norm. Yeah. And, you know, moving the conversation on, you know, it's, it's not us. Uh, you know, I've got a few years on you. <laughs> um, you know, it's the next generation and generation behind, which, you know, ultimately, you know, for my business, it's about the education. I think so. And I think um, we did touch on this at the talk. And I said to, I said to everybody in the room, you know, if, if I can think about what I retained from my education, um, you know, and I'm not knocking teachers because I am one. And it obviously, you know, I'm 36 and a lot's changed since then. But, you know, I'm thinking like part knowledge of World War Two, like what a Bunsen burner is, like kind of where the countries are on the globe, but not really because my direction and, you know, my sense of it is absolutely appalling. But like nothing, <laughs> like I learned nothing. And I think the skills that I... Did you learn anything about yourself? <laughs> later in life <laughs> through lots and lots of mistakes but what my point is is that nobody really teaches you at school what How it's to like learn. to be like what depression is you know what anxiety is like what confidence is like confidence is a skill you know something you don't get born with that I think if you and also it it relates to your upbringing if you have a shit upbringing you just grow up with no self-esteem 
And I think, um, you know, I don't think that kids are taught, like, you know, how guys relate to girls and vice versa and you know like people skills and psychology and all these things that are really really important um and I I just wish there was more space for them and unfortunately you know people from my generation or your generation or, or even the generation you know below us sort of go through life um having a bit of a funky time you know I relate to mine as the disco 2000s where you just sort of like (laughs) fucking what I was doing but you know making all these mistakes and getting into a black hole and trying to get out of it and I don't I I don't think I think education also needs to be about being a human being being a woman you know being you know understanding being a guy understanding what it's like to be a woman you know things like that understanding what it's like for um for a gay person you know like understanding what it's like to be different and understanding that it's okay to be different and there's totally a place for it and and allowing that and how to allow that, you know, because you don't know, you know, if you have a child and they turn out and they're the different one. You know, I think I was the different one in my family, but my family cannot um, talk about anything in an emotional way. So if you grow up in a house where you're not allowed to feel anything you just get to sort of 19 or 20 move to London and just go mental you know which is what I did you know and you find out that way or you find out through creativity what to do with all this energy and what to do with all these emotions and I just wish that was a part of education because I just think it's it's vital. Mm. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Birmingham, unfortunately, and then I moved to Yorkshire and then I moved to London. Where in Yorkshire? Uh, Leeds. Okay. Yeah. And this school that you mentioned that you didn't learn much? (laughs) was in Birmingham. Okay. (laughs) I'm not slating my education. I mean, got all my GCSEs and A-levels, but, you know, I just, it's just... It wasn't enjoyable. It wasn't, you know, I had a really tough time at school. I got bullied at school. And, you know, I think I think maybe that's in a, a blessing in disguise because the person I am today is an incredibly compassionate one for, for all those sort of awkward, different human beings. But I just, yeah, I just, I found it really hard being a kid and I don't think I'd really live it for love or money. Um, but, you know, I did have one teacher that was, that sort of, could see my potential and you know could also see how much I was sort of crumbling and you know having a difficult time and she really sort of pushed me to channel that and I think maybe that's something that I've taken on as a teacher when I'm with students and I'm just like I'm so livid that you haven't come in for like nine weeks but what's going on and you just know you know you just you can just tap in it's like a superpower you just know that there's something not up but there's so much there that needs saving what was that teacher's name what was her name she had a really fancy name miss miss morris perry i think her name was i think her name was claire actually yeah but oh she had like a double barrel name and she was very very posh but yeah she was mega yeah so just that role uh, you know, we, we're we're maintaining, I guess, the educational narrative of, you know, teacher student, um, and you know, the unknown in mm. terms of adolescence, and this, is, I guess, pre-adolescence, if you're coming up through school, school before you get into your d- 
difficult teens. Yes. Um, generally. <laughs> uh, but I, I guess, and you, you touched on it briefly in terms of making the person you are today, maybe touch on some of those those moments or some of those, I don't know, challenges that you've overcome that are really shaping and defining? Uh, it's really hard, actually. I actually really hate talking about myself, so I find it really difficult and I would be lying if I, you know, I don't say I don't cringe, but um, nobody gives me a harder time than I do. You know, I'm really sort of, like, hard on myself um, and that's something that at 36 I'm really trying to sort of give myself a break, but I think... Um, we've talked about education a lot and I think I've had to spend a lot of time uh, re-educating myself on me and learning about me and learning why I feel the way I feel about certain things and learning why I have had certain coping mechanisms and and sort of, um, you know, taking a step out of myself to sort of to be a better person and also just to sort of like let go of all of that crap you know and I think it's it's ironic because if I'm sat with a student that's like oh my god like I'm rubbish I hate my life or whatever or I'm a failure I can or or it's a friend or a random person I can sit there and I can literally just fill them up with enthusiasm and like come on get a grip you this you're not that you know you can sort it out and then if I had to do it for myself completely incapable you know it's like it's quite funny <laughs> but I can laugh about it you know I'm quite I like to take the piss out of myself and take myself too seriously but yeah um I think a lot of it's I've had to reevaluate the way that I see myself and that's been really tricky and messy at times but having things like education and having things like the magazine to do it in a creative way with my creative brain it's incredibly healing and I think creativity for me is an absolute savior it makes sense of your of your existence at times even if you're having like you know a bad time and I think that's that's a one thing that I, I I try and um give to students it's just like okay you know for example this girl um one of my students was she broke it with her boyfriend and she was like devastated we've all been there you know and, I, and um and she wanted to do her zine the zine on a certain subculture and I was like forget that idea uh, so you have to do it you base it around your breakup you know make a really angry I don't know feminist type I hate everyone zine and she did <laughs> and you know and it saved her and it saved her from going down this black hole and I think that's really important and I think some of the some of the best work that I've done has been when I haven't really been in a great place because it's the only thing that sort of helped me get past it. And I think having that for kids, like I'd love to, if I wasn't getting so old, I'd love to, you know, try and learn about art, ther- art therapy because I think art is the biggest therapeutic practice there is. Mm. You read the Alan de Botton book? I've read a lot of them. I really like him. Um, He's the one called Art as Therapy. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah really I really like um, all the stuff that he writes about philosophy. Yeah. And I study that part-time because um, it makes everything else make sense to me. Exactly. Yeah. Why does teaching need to stop after school? It never stops, ever. It's, it, so who's it doesn't your, stop. Do you have a teacher? 
I don't have a teacher. Um, I'm trying to be my own teacher, so to speak, but I make it um, a practice to learn something every day because I have to. I think I'm um, an addict in that way. Like I need to be stimulated, which is part of the reason why I'm leaving a corporate job that I've been in for a year because it doesn't stimulate me enough. And I think I have a really hungry brain and I need to look at something or learn something every day. So I think teaching doesn't stop after school at all, but you have to make your responsibility to want to learn. You always have to have ideas. And I always say this to the to the to the kids that I teach, you know, some of them are, are natural born leaders and some of them know more than I do and some of them just think they know everything and I'm like no you've you know you've got to have an idea or you're sitting in a crit with someone and they're like I just don't know I just don't have any ideas I'm like well you better go and find some then because when you get out into the world and you get a job and your boss turns around to you and says well we've got this thing and you can't get I don't know I'm just gonna go home now and sit home on Instagram it's like well you better find out you know You've just got to, you've got to. And it's just, I think, you know, your brain's a muscle. If you don't use it, you lose it. So use it in every way you can. <laughs> yes, teacher. <laughs> I'm telling you off. <laughs> you like it though, don't you? <laughs> I can tell. I'm surrounded by women, so <laughs> I am accepted. No, but it's funny, it's funny at university because I, I'm... I'm 36, but I do look a lot younger, get ID'd all the time. Got ID'd for matches the other day, believe it or not. Um, and and I'm sort of sitting and I do a lot of my lessons in the library because, number one, they don't know that it exists. Number two, they don't know how to use it. So I'm just constantly putting books in front of people and shouting at everyone um, in a nice way. And um, they just they think I'm one of them. And they're just like, oh, God, he's that girl shouting at everyone. Like, I'm trying to do my work. And I'm like, I'm a teacher. And they're like, whoa, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's quite funny. But I think that's also helpful, what I was talking about, knowledge of experience and not necessarily information. Try to have both because it is important to have both. Yeah, also, I think, you know, what you asked me about when does teaching stop, like I have to teach myself, otherwise I'll be a crap teacher. You know, like mm. I need to but find out. But there isn't out. anybody who has that role in your life though, to be like, who shouts at you? Me, <laughs> but... all the time. <laughs> in your head. In my head, yeah, yeah. But you don't have any, I don't know, coaches, mentors? No, I mean, I think, you know, I've got, I have one friend that I will I'll probably only let him shout at me um, because he's like my mum, my dad and my brother and my sister in one person. So, and and he, he's called Sebastian, if he if he's listening. Um, it, I let him shout at me. I suppose he is a mentor to a certain degree, but I, I think, I, you know, I'm, I, all the women around me that I work with that are creative, you know, at the talk um, last week, we had Louise Gray, we had Jess Cochran, you know, Mary's a mentor to me. You know, I think w with the magazine, we're, there's sort of three of us, three core members, and we, there's all sort of 10 years between us. So Mary's the generation, say, above me, I'm above Gil, you know, and then we have, you know, like, people doing work experience and they're the generation below that. So it is this sort of, um, it is all these different women from different lifetimes. And I think they're mentors, you know, like, it's like I said, you know, sometimes the student will say something to me that just completely 
blows me away. And I'm like, where have you got that from? And I'm like, let me write that down. You know, they're like, just some of them are sitting and writing everything down. And I say, even the swear words, and I'm like, don't write that down. <laughs> and then they say something and I'm like, wow, that was, that's amazing. That makes my heart go fucking boom. I'm writing that down. So I think there's teachers everywhere. It's just you, you have to open yourself up to, to, taking that on and and learning like I I don't I think success you know and not and the end of education or not needing a teacher's bullshit you know because what happens then it just stops you know like hopefully I'm gonna live for a while longer I want to learn everything you know that's my addict brain just Mm. like give me more information give me more information you know and I think the best thing about learning information is sharing it Where do you think that curiosity has come from? Is that something that, I don't know, was instilled from your folks or... Definitely not. (laughs) No? (laughs) No, I think... um, Is it something you've always felt you had? I think so, yeah, because... Brothers and sisters, some of them? Well, my brother is... We're like polar opposites and I'm convinced I'm like from a different planet i mean i definitely am but you know it's and my my brother's like a surgeon so this is how different we are my brother's very straight and kind of uptight and you know like a square and i'm wavy that's the only analogy that i can kind of give you and it's just like you know and it was really tough for me growing up because he's perfect could get you know it's like 12 a stars uh, how do you fucking compete with that i don't you get this, this sort of older like brother. no younger all oh, right even worse, <laughs> even worse. yeah <laughs> and you just sort of get this sort of like you know they get out of jail free card oh well, you're the creative one and i'm like yeah but you don't fucking understand what that means you know and it's like i'm trying to explain to, to my mum bless her for like years and years what i do and i'm i think she thinks i'm a hairdresser you know, that, what's the stylist? I'm like, I just can't even get into this, you know. Just, let's forget it. Um, you know, so it's just... And your dad? My dad. I remember he came... I did a foundation course when I was, like, 17. And I remember, like, begging him to come to the exhibition. And I just, you know, he came, God love him. But, like, I just saw this sort of just confusion of walking around and seeing, like people's work and my work whether it was a sculpture or like an installation and just not understanding it at all and it's like you know some people just don't get it but you have to let that go because you get it and other people get it and you know you you choose your own tribe and you just put yourself around all these mad creative people Mm. and you know you get each other so where do you think that's come from then like your waviness waviness um I'm not sure. I think, like I said before, you I just... I mean, what do you remember as an earliest memory of not feeling the same as, you know, your family or the people around you? Um, I suppose it's, like, not being able to to feel stuff, you know, and not being able to, like, express yourself. I think that's probably where it all came from because, you, you know, I think in... And I think my parents' upbringing was also difficult. You know, my mum's one of eight my dad's one of nine you know and it's insane and and you know I'm not slating them because they totally did their best but I think you know if you're a sensitive child and obviously you're a parent you know I think it's really important to encourage um feeling and getting your emotions out so I think when I was younger I used to have to bottle them all up and like I said when you get older you're a teenager and you're at school and you get given a project or 
you know, you have an experience, whether it's positive or negative, you have to let them out. And I think, you know, when you bottle them up for so long and you let them out, you're just like, oh, God, this, I'm wavy <laughs> or whatever. You know, you're like, what's this? So, yeah, I suppose that's probably the earliest memory is not being able to express yourself. And I think, you know, you have to, mm. really. Yeah, for sure. Where, where are you going? Where am I going? What, after this? No. <laughs> what, is, there a, is there a destination? Um, is there a direction? Uh, is there a goal, an ambition? Lots of all of those things all the time in my brain, <laughs> 24-7. But um, I mean, I'm hectic and I'm trying to just be here today and it is five to two and you're sitting in my front room having a brew a yorkshire brew and this is where i am today because my mind is honestly it's so exhausting um and i don't know what's going to happen i you know i think i'm trying to just do one day at a time because um that's all you can do there's definitely goals and ambitions um you know like i said we want world domination yeah female superheroes um i think i just i think happiness is a goal being content is a goal you know being accepting of yourself is a goal but um making a difference and just doing what you love and loving what you do is is all i want really Mm. um is that what you would have told your 13 year old self Oh, God, I'm a lot more with it now than I was then. I'm sure I told her all sorts of things. Um, yeah, I would. I would. Sometimes I think about I think about her and I think about how I'd go back and, like, save her, you know, and just, like, give her a hug instead of giving her a hard time, you know, I think. Um, yeah. I'm a lot... I think I'm a lot different now than I was then, 100%. And do you see that, you know, in your students or the next generations that are coming through? Um yeah, how that's the world has obviously moved on, and you know whether it's politically, environmentally, socially. I mean, any uh, you know the general context of the world around us, and you know we talked about the formats of print versus Instagram, and you know how that is changing how we're consuming media and defining, therefore, who we are in our relationship to media. Yeah, how, I mean, how are you seeing that? playing out i really find if we talk about instagram and social media i really find that really hard i think it's a double-edged sword and i think it was one of the like biggest alarm bells being a teacher seeing how it affects young people in what way um well i grew up in a generation of like pre-internet thank god and like having a nokia 3210 which was like the best phone ever because you could drop it underneath a bus and it would be all right. And, you know, it only gets like maximum 10 text messages before it bursts into flames. And you've got Snake and it's so hard to text (laughs) that you just give up and you just ring people. So it was ideal. And, you know, if someone says... battery lasted for two weeks. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. And you couldn't take photos. And, you know, if someone said, meet me in town outside Woolworths at 12 and you weren't there, that was it. You know, you either wait there like a loser because they're late or they're just not coming. There's none of this, like, you know, like, videoing yourself on the way to meet. You know, everything's documented. Um, and, you know, I'm putting my hands up about being, you know, having an, an 
an indulgent moment on social media, mostly to take the piss out of myself or because I've seen something funny or, or whatever. But it, it does worry me um, how we are using it and how much we're using it and how much we rely on it. And I think there's obviously really positive things about it because it can connect people. But I think what worries me is how much it also disconnects us. You know, when you get your screen report at the weekly, like, how much time have you wasted this week on social media? It's like, oh, my God, I'm ashamed of that. Delete. And then you sort how of many like... Hours? I'm not telling you. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to use it for work purposes. I mean, I think, you know, what I'm trying to say is, like, I hope we can get to a point where it is it is used effectively, you know, and, it, you know, like I, we brought this up last week at the talk and Louise is sort of saying, well, it is there to be, look at me, look at what I'm doing. That's what it's for. And I do think she's right. And I'm like I said, you know, I find talking about myself really hard and it kind of makes me cringe to sort of put something. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm ashamed of showing what my, what my work is. I don't know. It just makes me really self conscious and it's not because I don't it's I care if someone likes it or not because I, I don't but it, it's more that just like god you know like I'm sick of talking about myself like I'd rather post something that inspires me and I think you know this what I found with students was it was this desperate the only way they could validate themselves was by if that lad that they fancy liked it or not or by how many followers they've got and I think it's mental when you're trying to get attention in a way and you know like for example you know trying to get people to take more notice of the magazine or trying to get people to advertise in it and the first thing they look at is analytics numbers you know how many followers have you got and I'm like, you can fucking buy followers, dudes. Should I give you my credit card? You know, let's buy 10,000. Why, why not? You know, like everyone else is doing it. So why don't we? And I think like, why don't you just fucking read it? Like, why can't you take the time to um, meet me in person and have a conversation about it and actually look at it and actually read what we're writing about? And surely that experience is the basis of whether you want to take an interest or not. But you go straight to the number. Oh, no, they've got, you know... She hasn't got any followers, like, you know. Like, when I die, I really hope that people like, she was a laugh, she was great, she was really funny. Not, oh, she had 3,000 followers on Instagram. Like, that's not going to be on my tombstone. Like, do you know what I mean? It's just, it's just bullshit. And I just wish that that, in a way, I'm like, yeah, is it good? Yeah, but how do you re-educate? Like, that surely is the challenge. It is one the of the challenges. It's, because it is it's on so... my list of things to do. You know, it is part of the furniture as part of a, is, a, a young generation. And, you know, generation. where would we be without it? And I, I just think as a platform, you can you can literally, you know, you can click a few buttons and add a few pictures and suddenly I, I can, you know, and this is, this is also what makes me, I'm so, like, amazed by it and it also makes me laugh is that I've, I'm teaching a 19-year-old and, and I look on their Instagram and they're, they're a creative director and I'm like, okay, so... <laughs> You've just come straight from A-levels. Like, I don't understand. Do you know what creative director is? And, you know, and they're sort of this all singing or dancing um, creative director person with 70K followers. And I'm sort of sitting here being like, okay, I'm a teacher and I'm looking at your thing and I'm suddenly feeling incredibly lame, <laughs> you know. But, and you've got to hand it to them. I'm just like, Christ, if I had a spoonful of your confidence, what would I be doing, you know, in the world? So I think... You know, it's a it's a necessary evil, but I just wish I, I wish there was some sort of like where you could control it and you could control, um, you know, they do control what 
that you can post on it because most of my posts get taken down because of freeing the nipple, which infuriates me on a daily, daily basis. But, you know, I just wish there was more safety involved. I think, you know, nipples aren't dangerous. How kids are using it is harmful at times and it is dangerous. And, and I just wish, wish that someone could, like, clean up all the sort of lies on there, you know, people that are calling themselves this, that and the other and they're not. People that, you know, you not shouldn't be allowed to buy a follow. I just wish that wasn't an issue, you know. I wish it was a bit more honest, I suppose, is what I'm, I'm trying to say. Yeah. And I think that any challenges of fake news or yeah. deep fakes or, you know, the bots coming, yeah. you know, that is only going to add to the... I mean, know, I do think robots are coming. The, I mean, they're already here, right? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, this is all about trust. Yes. And, you know, what you see is what you get and authenticity and, you know, the credibility that is behind whatever or, but who, I think what or you whoever, said is, yeah, whoever authenticity. that you present. Authenticity is really hard to fake. And I think you can, you know. It depends how you define it. I think, yeah, it, it, does how, it is how you define that. But I think, you know, I think um, the way that in which you use it is is also fascinating because I've had some some you know old friends from Leeds or whatever being like, oh you know like it looks like you really enjoy this that and the other you're having a really good time and I'm like, well that's in you know that's funny that you should say that because you know and I don't think I'm faking what I'm putting on Instagram. I try and use my Instagram as a diary as a as a visual diary, but you know to the rest of the world they sort of see what you're working on and associate that with you know, success, credibility, glamour, you're in Sri Lanka on a shoot, oh my God, you're having the best time. But it's sort of just like, yeah, I'm re- I am in Sri Lanka and it's beautiful, but I'm at work and I have been travelling for like two weeks or whatever and I'm really tired, <laughs> you know. It, but, you know, I just think there's a lot of smokes and mirrors with, with Instagram, but I think I wish people would, would, um, would use it in a way that, it, again, like I said, that would inspire educate and give people information you know and i just you know everyone's beautiful and that but like this selfie thing it's just like can we just talk about something else you know can we just use it as a because it is a news channel in a way but you know that i i follow certain accounts religiously like like an addiction because i'm like what i want to learn about photography i want to learn about um you know black history i want to learn about this person in politics I want to learn about this that and the other and you know like I'm like screenshotting 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 and then two hours later I've like realized I'm on my sofa in an Instagram hole but like what I've gathered in that two hours is going to be worthwhile to a certain degree and I just think you know I think I just wish there was a way to sort of um control you know this incessant sort of scrolling thing that we all do we're all guilty of doing and like you know, like imagine, I'm just sort of just thinking, like imagine if we harnessed all that time and all that thumb exercise and all these likes, like as an, as an energy and you used it for something else, like, you know, it's mental, isn't it? It's crazy. Yeah. But, you know, this is, and the analogy comes back to, you know, entertainment in terms of yeah. back in the day, you yeah. know, you watched the telly. No, I did not. Um, I'm not a television advocate. But, you know, you didn't have that to yeah. scroll through, yeah. right? Whereas yeah. now you do. Mm. So in terms of time spent or brain switch off yeah. or, you know, why people still go to the cinema, you know, yeah. it's just, 
escaping reality. Yes. Uh, and the need states that you know encourage that. And, but it is and psychologically, but also, exactly, is also why and how they've designed them, them yeah. being the platforms. Yeah. Um, you know, for better or for worse. Yeah. And I think that is, you mentioned before right at the beginning, you know, there's a fine line between them yeah. in terms of it actually being for good or, you know, connecting you know, underrepresented groups, you know, safe yeah. channels, yeah. secure accounts, mm-hmm. closed groups. Yeah. Um, you know, but you know, with any yin, there's the yang yes. and the dark side <laughs> yeah. and, you know, the negative of it. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's always going to be that friction and that challenge. I think there will. Um, and, you know, keeping our thread about education or helping people understand people being the new generation or any generation, uh, you know, that feels like the place that it, you know, the conversation needs to start. Yes. I mean, there's there's positive and negative things about anything, really. I just, yeah, in course. my head, I think... I used to get really fed up with Instagram, especially when you're a freelance and you're trying to get people to sort of take you seriously. I think 70% of employers will always look at your Instagram before they look at anything else. And it's how you... And I do tell this to students, this is how are you representing yourself? You know, I do think there needs to be a, 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 a clear sort of balance between personality and, like, Informa- you know information and, and your on your creativity or your work or what you stand for and I think personality is really really important and you know like I said authenticity is hard to fake but you you have to create this persona on online for someone to initially go oh yeah you know let's get her in for an interview or whatever and then you've got the real thing and it's just like I just think that's also really interesting because I'm a massive fan of authentic experience I would a hundred percent much prefer one-to-one interaction with somebody, eye contact, like, you know, conversation, asking questions, taking the piss out of each other. You know, even physical connection, like with my friends I don't see for ages, you know, I'd much rather embrace them and have a hug than a heart-eyed emoji. But it, unfortunately, allegedly, it, it releases the same chemical, <laughs> just a very short-lived version of it do you know what I mean but it's just um and I but then I do think the positive things if you have connected with somebody on Instagram and there is a connection and you do think it's authentic and then you get the real life version oh you buzz in you know you've got both but it just I just sort of wish that it was the other way around and I used to feel like fuck when's Instagram just gonna die but then what's gonna be the next thing that's just equally as time consuming and annoying as it can be, but I don't think it's going to weigh. But I think, I think it. W- I've had to make peace with how I use it and what I get out of it because I think it can be really toxic. And mm. I know when it sends me into a hole of like comparing yourself to other people or just like, you know. And I think also it's just that it's you know I get really annoyed to people that um own, that text you on Instagram and I'm like that's what texting is for. <laughs> You know, like, you know, and sort of separating that because it, it never feels like you get off it. And I think it's really good to have a break from it. And, I, you know, I think like logging out now again and not going on it for a weekend, you just feel really free and you just like, oh, it's actually really nice because it is like, it's an addiction. It's like smoking. It's like chain smoking. Just picking it up and putting it down again and picking it up and looking at it and putting it down again. And it's just like, 
stop doing this, you know. <laughs> this is what you tell your students. Yes, I do. I do. I found it actually really difficult last year because we, as teachers... And Wait, just, where, where do you teach again? I was teaching at um, Middlesex and I was teaching at... Um, I taught at Leeds recently, um, teaching at Westminster, CSM, all of them, in and out. Um, one night only appearances, like <laughs> no joking. Um, but yeah, just trying to say we had to put it, we had to put it in their brief as they need to create a social platform, um, and and because of that, it's like they've got three years doing a BA, and obviously when they leave and do their final show you know people like fashion east or whoever or the british fashion council are looking at all the graduates and the, the the way that they're going to find you is online and it is on instagram and you, you know we don't want you to invest in three years of education and making all this work and not having anywhere that you can instantly showcase it every day in some way and some people just got totally on the instagram lorry and they're like way like yeah this is great like i love it like expressing myself I'm showing off I've got 15 like or whatever and then you know there's a few people that just wouldn't do it and I was like I really hate myself for saying this to you but if you don't if you don't set up an Instagram account it we we can't pass you into the next module it broke my heart because I was like I hate this (laughs) and this girl I was just like look just all you have to do is just set it up like just put something on there like that's the bare minimum you know like you won't get an amazing mark but just you just have to do it and she was like Siobhan I can't do it and I'm like why can't you do it and she just said it just gives me anxiety and that killed me because I could totally understand where she was coming from and you know I just I just wish that it could just be, you know, like I use it. Like I said, there's like a million voices in my head chatting about God knows what, this, that and the other. And I use Instagram as a way to, as a cathartic way to just like shut up, like get that out, it's gone. And if it's still there, you know, it's another post or it's something that I come back to, like freeing the nipple or whatever. And it, I just, it's gone and I, and I just try not to look at it because it just think, oh God, it just doesn't matter. You know, like I said about my tombstone, don't care about Instagram, not bothered. Um, and, you know, I just, I, I think for kids it, and this younger generation, they either love it and they're really into it and they're obsessed with it or they find it really, really difficult. And, you know, that's what I find frustrating and I get angry about with this, like, you do not adhere to our community guidelines, what a nipple, but what about all these kids that have got anxiety disorders because someone hasn't liked their picture, you know, I just think, fuck, I just wish that doesn't exist. You know, you validate you. You are the reason for you. You are in charge of you. Nobody else. Yeah, 100%. Any more tips? For for who? For the future generation, (laughs) for the future creative self. Um, Be yourself is the biggest one. Uh, all the parts of yourself, even the ones that you don't like very much, um, and to understand and to be understood is to be free. And that's not a quote by me. It's a quote by Daniel Johnston, who I'm a huge fan of. I was very sad when he passed away last year. I think, you know, making that effort to understand yourself and to, to even the parts of yourself that you don't like and the ones that you feel, you know... Um, the ones that you find really difficult and the ones that you don't necessarily understand because if you keep pushing that away it only rears its ugly head 
later on in life and maybe not in the nicest way. And it's just, yeah, to keep learning, but mainly keep learning about yourself because um, I don't think you're ever going to... There's parts of yourself that will always be the same, but there's a lot of parts that won't be. I think everything's changing um, every second. And the one bit of advice that I do thank my mum for is if you always do what you've always done you'll always get what you've always got and if you do nothing then nothing happens that's why you have to do everything <laughs> so there you go there's my top tips all right i love it okay last question oh you little liar <laughs> who, who would you like to hear on the show who would i like to hear on the show oh that's really good um does it have to be a woman it can be anybody, and not just one. Not just one. Can it be someone famous? It can be anybody you like. <laughs> Whether we're going to get them on the show is another question. <laughs> I think you should get Louise Gray, you know. She's fabulous and fierce, and she's got a lot to say about about having a creative brain and um, and, and how you use it. And I think one of the things that she said last week, um, which really... Uh, which really struck me um, because I was saying that some, you know, some of the worst things that I've heard about me are things that I've said myself. And she said, you know, it, sometimes we have a we have a bully in our brain, or you have more than one, and it's about not giving in to that person and basically telling them to shut the fuck up and get past that. Um, and I think that what what she does with her work, you know, she's a multidisciplinary artist. Um, is is super honest and I'm really attracted to people that are honest and honest in their work and honest with their creativity and you know that just don't really that don't it's not that they don't care but they don't care what people think and they just do it and I think like life shrinks or expands in in order to one's courage and I think you know she's got a lot of courage and I, I admire that great yeah Shiv this has been great Thank you. Thanks for the cup of tea. You're more than welcome. You can have another one if you want. I've got some biscuits. <laughs> oh, now the biscuits <laughs> come out. <laughs> so you had to get through the interview first. <laughs> um, great to hear your story. And, yeah, wish you all the successes uh, Yeah, on the road ahead. Thank you. You too.